So we're going to read Galatians 6, 7 through 9. This is what it says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And then verse 9. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right. For we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. You can be seated. I want to talk this morning about the biblical principle of sowing and reaping and how it might apply to your life today or how it might apply to your life right now. So in that passage that we just read, there's kind of like a few interpretations that we can take of it. So here's the first one. When talking about sowing and reaping, and when Paul says, if you sow to your own flesh, you'll reap corruption, but if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. Kind of like the main interpretation, at least the one that I grew up being taught, which, I still th- which is true, is something like this. You can either sin or you can act righteously. And what you do right now is going to impact your future in some way or another. You can sow sin right now. You can sow, you can do things that are um, things that your flesh, like the human, still unrenewed thinking part of you is telling you to do. You can do those things now, but if you sow toward those things now, you're gonna reap the results of them later, right? It's kind of like if you play with fire for too long, eventually you're gonna get burnt. Sowing to the flesh. So you can sin or you can act righteously and what you do now will impact your future. But there's a second way to interpret this that I wanna focus on for this morning, which is this. Kind of the second way you can look at sowing and reaping is you can cling to what you have or you can sacrifice what you have and what you do now will impact your future. Whether you sacrifice or you cling to what you have right now will impact your future. And don't worry, this is not a talk about money. I can see it in some of your eyes. Sacrifice is often an overlooked aspect of sowing. Again, usually what we think of in sowing and reaping is, well, make sure you don't sin now, because if you do, the sin's gonna catch up, with, catch up to you later. But sacrifice is what I wanna focus on for this morning, or letting go of something that God is calling you to let go of. You see, sowing requires you to let go of what you have now so that you can have more later. And more on that in a second, but let's get into my first point. First point is this, kingdom harvests are often reaped by first letting die a portion of what you still have from the last harvest. 1 Corinthians 15, 36 and 37 says this, You fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. What's Paul saying here? He's saying that 
when you are sowing, you're actually letting something die because letting that thing die now is going to reap you a harvest later. Think about corn. My grandfather owned a corn stand growing up. I worked on it from age 9 until 23 every summer and picked corn a lot. Miserable experience. Don't recommend it. (laughs) Um, And with corn, when you reap a harvest of corn, you can eat all of that delicious corn if you want. But if you eat all of it, you have none left to plant for next year's harvest. Now, I know in modern day it's different, but especially going back to ancient times, like when you reaped a harvest as someone who worked in agriculture, if you just consumed everything that you reaped, you've got nothing to plant for next year. And so what you would do is you would reserve a portion of the harvest, you know, a portion of those corn kernels to actually use to plant so that you could reap next year. And when you would reserve those kernels of corn, think about it if you're in uh, a famine, right? If you're in a famine and you're barely able to eat anything at all, your meals are small, you still have to discipline yourself to withhold a portion of that corn so that you don't die from starvation next year. And so rather than, rather than experiencing the benefits and the nourishment and the joy of eating that corn, you're actually saving it so that you can let it die in the ground, which is really letting it grow into next year's crops. So a portion, so that's what I mean when I say kingdom harvests are often reaped by first letting die a portion of what you still have from the last harvest. And so I feel like for some of you sitting in the room, maybe you've been asking God for a new thing lately. Maybe you're like, Lord, I'm ready for the next chapter. I'm ready for the next season. I'm ready for the next blessing or for the next upgrade in my relationship with you or for the next leg of growth. I feel like maybe I've been stagnant. If that's you, I think that what God might be asking you this morning is, or what he might be telling you this morning is to sow something in your life right now, to let something die so that you can reap a harvest later. And so to give, make this practical, let me give you five things God might be calling you to sow. First, longings. God might be calling you to sow or to let die or to give up your longings. So this could be past seasons that you long to see reoccur, and that, or it could be that which you long for in the future. It's just something that your heart is longing for. And regarding those future longings, maybe there's something that you don't have now that you're longing for to have in your future. I just want to tell you that God is right there with you, longing for that thing for you. Um, But, so like God, I don't think that God, when we have those longings, I don't think God is looking at us like uh, with harshness and with anger that we have them. Sometimes what the enemy will try to do is to tell you that, that like you longing for something 
is something to be ashamed of. Like maybe you're single and you're longing for a spouse. Or maybe you're in a job that you hate and you're longing for a better one. Like, I, think, I don't think God is upset with you for that. I think that that longing, he might even be right there with you wanting that for your future. But the longings become sour when the intensity of those longings for the future surpass our present moment thankfulness. In other words, if I am so desperately longing for something in my future that I can't actually be thankful for what I do have right now, that's where things are out of whack and God is probably calling me to sow or to give up or to let go of that longing. There's a great passage in Ezra chapter three that illustrates this. So if you know the story of Israel in the Old Testament, you know that they've got a long journey of obeying God, then disobeying God, then obeying God, then disobeying God, then disobeying God, then disobeying God, then obeying God. And eventually, as punishment against Israel for their disobedience, God allows them to be taken into exile by another nation, the nation of Babylon. And so they're in exile for decades. But then they end up getting to go back to their land and they rebuild the walls around the city and they rebuild the temple, the center of worship, the place that um, they would gather to worship God and his presence would come. And so they get to rebuild the temple. And when they put up the foundation for the new temple, all, there, there was a mixed reaction from the people that were around. You had all of the younger people that had been born into exile shouting for joy and celebrating that, wow, we finally have the foundation for our temple again, the temple of our God. But then you have the people who had been taken into exile who remember what the first temple looked like. And they were, the text says that they were weeping at the site of the foundation of the temple because it was much smaller than the old one. It was less impressive than the first one. So you have those that remembered the good old days weeping and then those celebrating what, you know, those that hadn't been there celebrating. Which group of people do you think God wants us to be? God wants us to not, like looking back is okay, especially if you're looking back for inspiration or you're looking back to kind of like remind yourself of how big God is and all that he can do. Looking back on, a good, on an old season isn't a bad thing, but when we look back in such a way that we can't celebrate and be thankful for what he's doing right in front of us, that's when we have a problem. So God might be calling you to sow a longing. God called me to do this a few years ago. It was 2017, and we had an event here at the church where we watched the, one of the films, uh, Darren, if you're familiar with Darren Wilson, one of the Darren Wilson films. It was called Finger of God 2. And put it up on the screen if, uh, if you haven't heard of that. It was basically um, a documentary of people 
going around the world and seeing God move in various ways, seeing God move in healing, seeing God move in people getting uh, set free, uh, people getting saved, etc. So we're sitting in here and we're watching this movie and we're seeing all these incredible moments of God breaking through caught on live uh, camera. And everyone is getting so excited in the room except for me. <laughs> and the reason I was, you know, I was, I was feeling turmoil while I was watching it. And really the, the feeling I had was grief. I was grieved watching this film. And the reason I was grieved watching it was as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, man, back in 2013, back in 2014, back in 2015, this was my reality every day, but now it's not. You see, if you know me, you know that when I was 23 years old, so eight years ago, when I was 23 years old, I got to be a part of accidentally starting a young adult movement in Cincinnati with my best friend, Wilson. And long story short, we started discipling a few guys and it turned into this citywide thing where people are pouring into houses across the city. And we were having these three hour meetings every Thursday and Friday night in homes. And if you were a leader in these meetings, you would get there around five o'clock. So they were actually like five hour meetings. And we would require the core leaders to actually go out to eat afterwards to build a relationship with the people that were coming. So like we're talking six or seven hours every Thursday and Friday. But, and like now I think about that and I'm like, man, that sounds like a version of hell. But, <laughs> but we loved it. And the reason that it wasn't, it, you know, it sounds like such a heavy commitment, but the reason that it, it didn't feel that way, at least at first, was because God was moving powerfully. Like, I was, I was seeing miracles multiple times a week. And it, it was just becoming so normal. We would send people out into send people out to Northgate Mall or to Kroger or to Walmart and say, hey, go pray for as many people as will let you for 10 minutes and come back and tell us what happened. And they'd come back and be like, yeah, ended up le leading six high schoolers to Christ. They all said the prayer. None of them had been saved before. Saw six people healed over here. This person had a demon cast out of them. And it was just normal. And that was, that was happening all the time in my life. And man, it was such an incredible Season and um, I'm so honored that God allowed me to be a part of that. But by the time 2017 had come around, things weren't like that anymore. God was still moving. God was still doing powerful things. It wasn't like nothing was happening, but it wasn't the same. And so I'm sitting there watching that movie, feeling that grief of, well, I guess my time is done. At a ripe old age of 27, my ministry's over. <laughs> I know, it sounds funny now, but it was real. That's how I was feeling, for real, during that time. And as I was sitting there, God spoke to me. And I don't exactly remember what he said, but it was something to the extent of, and it was, it was tender, it wasn't harsh, but it was also bold. And he said, Luke, 
do you want me to move in the house groups or do you want me to move? And I realized, wow, that my heart has actually, I've been thinking that my heart was purely focused on God moving, but now that I think, now that, now that when he said that, what became clear was that actually part of my heart was focused on building something that I was passionate about and building something that I believed in, but really building something that was for me and for me to feel like I was a success and for me to feel like I mattered. And so I told the Lord in that moment, Lord, I'm letting go of my longing to get back to the glory days or to get back to the good old days. I'm letting go of that. I'm sowing that longing because I want to be a part of what, however you're moving. And if it's in this young adult ministry called house group, great. But if it's somewhere else, I will ditch that for an instant. I'll ditch that in an instant because I want to be where you're moving. And so I still believe to this day that there is an amazing, there already is amazing kingdom things happening in this region, but I believe something like none of us have ever comprehended is going to happen in this region. And I think God's going to do an amazing work. So I'm excited with you. But beyond that, what I took the harvest that I believe that God, like I believe that that's one of the harvests that God probably wants me to step into as a result of me letting go of that longing. But even more than that, I think what the Lord was doing in me was creating a yielded heart. A heart that says, God, even if, you know, I believe that you're gonna do something mighty and that you're gonna let me be a part of it. I believe that, but even if that doesn't happen, I will still gladly serve you and gladly carry out the assignment that you have on my life. And that harvest actually has been the most freeing, empowering, liberating thing that I've experienced in all of this. And uh, it's brought me closer to the Lord, which is the purpose of our time here. So God might be calling you to, to so to let die a longing. And I, and I think it's important that we think about it, not just, we don't just think about it in terms of I'm letting go of this because it's harming my heart. Yeah, do that, but also understand that you are sowing something to reap a harvest later. That every time that you say yes to God when he's calling you to sacrifice something, you're actually sowing towards a future harvest that he wants to do in and through you. God might be calling you to sow expectations of people, yourself, your job, your church. God might be calling you to sow goals or dreams. So a little bit after I had that experience here at the Finger of God event, Wilson and Van and I were doing consulting or we, were, we had a consultant that was kind of helping us evaluate the effectiveness of the ministry of the church and see if there's any growth areas. And one of the things that we identified was that we as a church needed to restructure. 
And if you hear Van talk about it, what he'll say is, it wasn't that we needed to restructure, it's that we needed to structure. Because <laughs> there wasn't any structure to begin with. And by that, we're talking about chain of command with staff, who reports to who, who's in charge of what. And so we started to go through this process where we were figuring out kind of like a new plan for Vineyard Northwest and how it would operate. And what became clear to me in that time was that, by the way, this is me, I'm, I'm a young adult pastor of the church at this point in time. And what became clear to me is that I had a choice to make. I either needed to let go of the young adult pastor role and thus let go of the dream of my life. You see, what was happening in those young adult groups wasn't just a cool thing that I was getting to do. It was my dream. Seeing that become like a global ministry was, was the dream of my heart. And I can remember thinking as a 23 and 24-year-old, wow, you know, this pastor, they started their huge mega church when they were 23, and this pastor started their church movement when they were 24, and that's kind of the age I am right now. Maybe, maybe I'm going to get, maybe the thing that I'm doing right now is going to turn into the rest of my life. And, and, and so it was my dream, what, what we were doing. It was, it was the vision for my life. So it was, it was something very near and dear to my heart. And as we're having this consulting done, I'm sitting there and I'm realizing, wow, I either have to let go of this young adult pastor job and in essence, let go of my dream and be, become the executive pastor at Vineyard Northwest, or I need to resign right now and see how many of the young adults are gonna come with me to go do my own thing. And it sounds like an easy decision maybe, but it was definitely not an easy decision for me because even after I'd had that experience where the Lord spoke to me about what I wanted to see him move in the young adult ministry or, or to see him move, I still had a picture of the future and a dream that I hadn't fully let go of yet. And so I had to make the hard choice because I, I, I wanted to cling to what I had, but I knew the Lord was leading me on a different path. And so sometimes God is going to call you to let go of something that feels like your life's dream or your life's work. It feels like the thing that you have been working towards and, and dreaming about your whole life. He's going to call you to let go of that. And the reason is that sometimes the dream that we think we have for our life isn't the dream that he has for our life. Sometimes we get the dreams mixed up. And sometimes God has a dream for your 20s, which is what I think he had for me. Or he has a dream for your 30s, or he has a dream for a certain part of your life, but we mistake it to be the rest of our lives. And, and so if we're not super careful and discerning, there may come a point where we're actually idolizing a dream. We're putting it before him. And, we're, and it's hard because, especially in the case of like a ministry kind of dream, it seems like we are doing it for him, but it's also something that we're putting as an idol before him. So God might call you to sow 
that dream. But I can tell you that the dreams that, like, I want to live out the dream he has for my life. I don't want to live out the dream that I have for my life. And when you accept that and you get his dreams for your life, it's just, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. So much freedom and peace comes with that. God might also call you to be sowing passions, things that you're passionate about. Now, obviously, being passionate is good. We're supposed to have zeal. But check out this verse in Proverbs 14. It's not going to be up there. I'm just going to read it to you. A tranquil mind gives life to the flesh, but passion makes the bones rot. Interesting. Passion makes the bones rot. What Solomon talking about here? Here's what I think he's talking about. The kind of passion, at least here's part of it, not, not, the only, not the only thing he's talking about. Part of it is this. The kind of passion that leads me to be more judgmental towards you is the kind of passion that rots my bones. The kind of passion that causes me to be judgmental towards a group of people, who, towards anyone, towards, one, to, towards my spouse, towards group of people, whatever, that kind of passion is the kind of passion that rots my bones. And this could be passion for a cause. Maybe there's a cause you really believe in. Good, be passionate about that cause. But once that passion leads you into judgmentalism towards people that don't believe in that cause or judgmentalism towards people that are against that cause, that's when we've left the kingdom way and we've entered the worldly way of passion. In Matthew 7 is where Jesus famously says, do not judge so that you may not be judged. And he goes on to talk about a number of things regarding judgment. And basically what he's getting at is if you are looking at another person and you're judging them for sinning or for not believing right or whatever it might be, whatever they're doing, you're doing something just as bad. And so if we have passion around a subject, a topic, a cause, whatever, that is leading us to be judgmental, that's when we know it's the kind of passion that's rotting our bones. And that's the kind of passion that the Lord is probably calling you to sow. He's probably calling you to lay it down and be like, Lord, I still believe in this cause. I still have these beliefs. But this cause, me engaging with this cause right now, is not producing the kind of fruit in me that you want to be produced. So I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to sow it. Because I believe that as I sow this passion, that there's going to be some greater harvest that I get to step into later. God might be calling you to sow a passion. And the fruit of this, there's plenty, you know, the, the, the harvest of doing that could be that five years later, the Lord gets you back involved in that cause or in whatever you are passionate about, but now you can do it really with the heart of Jesus and not with the heart of the world. But even bigger than that, laying down those kinds of passions, they, one, give us greater passion for God and two, they give us more love for people. And I think Jesus said something about those two things as being important. 
Correct me if I'm wrong. God also might be calling you to, to sow a hobby or an interest. Now, don't get me wrong. Hobbies and interests are, are really healthy. I think everybody, no matter how busy your life is, you should have at least one hobby or at least one interest, whether it's, it could be video games, it could be hunting, it could be reading, some kind of hobby or interest. I think we all should have one. But just like the Bible talks about alcohol, we are called to engage in these interests and hobbies in moderation. If, I, if my hobby or interest is video games and I'm playing video games for 10 hours a day, I might need to sow that hobby or that interest. <laughs> I'll tell you what, one, this year, I never did this before because I kind of was like, oh, that's just kind of legalistic and, and that's not something I need to do. But this year, I put a limit on social media use on my phone for the first time. And I limited, I put an hour limit on so that once I've engage with social media for an hour, a little notification comes up on my phone and says, hey, you've hit your limit. And then they tell you, you can either ignore the limit and keep engaging, or you can hit okay, and it closes the app. And putting that limit on my phone has been such a healthy experience for me. And I don't know that engaging with, uh, with social media more than that was really harming me. So I think it does for some people. I think some people maybe do a little bit more than that. It's probably not harming you. But what was really powerful is when I would close my phone and no longer have that as an option, then my mind would go, okay, what am I going to do now? Am I going to um, have a deeper conversation with my wife? Am I, am I going to go play with my son? Am I going to go spend some time with the Lord? Am I just going to sit here and be bored? Because you know what? Being bored is actually good for your brain. Boredom is healthy for your brain. It allows you to have space for creativity and innovation and, and, uh, and yeah, innovative thinking. And so, so all that to say, interests are good, but if they've become obsessions or if they've become, if you're no longer using them in moderation, they may, that might be something God this morning is calling you to sow. And I promise you, the harvest that will come from that will benefit your relationship with God, your relationship with people, and your own heart. So those are five things that God may be calling you to sow. And let's look at the, let's go back to the initial scripture. And look, I want to look at verse, the, the last verse now, because if you're like me, maybe you're sitting in the room right now, and you have an idea of something that you feel like God might be calling you to lay down, and you might be even excited about it. Like when I, at least for me in those moments, when I first heard about setting a limit on my, when I first felt like I should set a limit on my social media, like I was excited, I was ready to do it, I set that limit with gusto, and, and it was great. But then day two, day three, day four, that's when it's like, oh, this is such a drag. Like, or if it's something bigger, if it's like laying down a dream, you know, maybe even now you have some excitement and inspiration to lay down that dream before the Lord, but it might be that in two or three days or two or three weeks or even two or three months, you're going to have some hard moments of, am I really going to live out my decision to lay this thing down? And so that's where I think Paul, that's what I think Paul is speaking to in verse 9 
Let's put verse 9 back up. This is where he says, So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. Whatever God calls you to sow, maybe he won't call you to sow anything right now, but I think for at least some of you he will. Whatever God calls you to sow right now, when it gets hard tomorrow or when it gets hard in a week, don't give up. Don't give up. If you don't give up in doing what is right, you will reap a harvest. That's a promise right here. And so I want to encourage you, don't give up. And I want to end by sharing three just guiding principles as you're living out this decision to lay down whatever God might be calling you to lay down, to sow towards a better harvest than you're experiencing right now. So first, good sowers work without the need for recognition. So don't do it just so that people can see that you're doing it. Don't, don't, tr- don't need recognition from people. Do it for the Lord. Second, um, know the season that you're in as you're, like maybe you're in a, a reaping season right now. Maybe you're in a harvest season and God's saying, hey, just continue to enjoy that harvest right now. Or understand that if you're in a sowing season, it might feel like progress has been stalled. It might feel like your life isn't moving forward the way that you want it to move forward. Remind yourself. I have to remind myself of this. Like, quick aside, Jamie and I like the show The Voice. Anybody like The Voice in here? And there'll be these these like 13 and 14-year-olds that will come up and have the most beautiful, powerful voices that you would ever hear. And I just will look at them and be like, wow, what am I doing with my life? I'm 31 and I'm, you know. And, <laughs> and I'll just descend into the pit of despair of my life is a failure. I don't matter. I have no purpose, right? Like, or when I'll, you know, hear about this NBA all-star who's 19 or whatever. And so if you're like me in that, I have those moments where I begin to feel like my life is pointless. But what I remind myself is, no, my life is not pointless. I'm in a season of preparation right now. I'm in a sowing season right now. God wants to do an extraordinary thing in my life and through my life, and I might not be seeing it happen right now, and I might not even be seeing progress. Like, I might not have a clear picture of what progress is going to look like. But I know he's called me to be in this season right now, and I'm going to enjoy and get everything out of this season of preparation that he's calling me to get. So good sowers know their season. And then good sowers don't try to replicate last year's harvest, but they focus on the harvest God is cultivating. So I'm not living for the day that God does what he did in 2013 and 2014 again. I'm not hoping that in 2025 or in 2030 or in 2040 that I get to, do the, get to be a part of the same kind of thing that he did. No, my heart is set on whatever future harvest God wants to do. I'm not looking back in distracting nostalgia. I'm looking forward in eager anticipation of the new wine that God wants to pour out. So why don't you stand with me?